Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello there and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Today is going to be a good day, don't you think so, Amanda? Uh, It already is a good day and it's only going to get better. I love what we're going to talk about today because I just feel like everything we've been doing these past couple episodes are just building and building and building. So we can't wait to jump in today to supplementary texts why to use them, where to find them, and all of the fun things that come along with these like spider webby, like connecting from your book to the other things that are going on in the world is so much fun. It is, it is so fun. And it is, it feels so, I like, I get all jazzed when I like have that moment of like real connectivity and putting things into context for students. And it answers the questions of why are we learning this? Well, here's why. And they can figure it out on their own. And I love it. And we are going to get into, like Amanda said, where we find these things, how we use these things a little bit, and how you can implement them in your classroom. And before we dive into everything, we do want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by something else that we have been working on. Speaking of things building in momentum, we have alluded to a new course that we have been putting together, our little team here at Brave New Teaching. Um, And it is going to be available very, very, very soon. So we wanted to let you guys know our course is called Curriculum Re have. It takes all of these things that we've been talking about, the things that we're doing, the strategies we're using in our unit makeover challenge, things that we're going to be doing in an upcoming masterclass for you guys that's going to be free. All of that and more, even more intensity will be in curriculum rehab. For more information, 
head to our show notes. And without any further ado, we're going to jump into this episode. Cue that music. listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. You guys, I need you to know, and Amanda needs you to know, listeners out there, how much we appreciate you and how much we really do love creating this podcast. It's a labor of love, but oh my gosh, it is so, so rewarding. Whenever I take a look at the reviews or I'm looking at the comments you guys leave on the website, I just, I'm just reminded of how many of us there are out there that just want to do this job really well, be good for our students, be good for ourselves, and just continue getting better. And no matter how isolating it feels sometimes, we're just happy to continue providing a place where we can be virtual teacher besties. And uh, Marie's going to share with you guys a review that really warmed our hearts. And we would love to hear from anyone who has been listening and would like to share with us their experience. We want to hear from you too. Absolutely. So this is a podcast review from Apple Podcasts. This is by Bay to Educate. And it says, I am so ecstatic that I have found you ladies. I've been following you both on Instagram for a while now and have been listening to your podcast ever since you started it. I just replayed your third episode and let me just say, you guys are so relatable. I will be student teaching this fall, whatever that entails. And I've been a little anxious about finishing, graduating, and finding a job through all of what the world is going through. At times, I have felt like a fraud because I haven't read all of the classics, I haven't written the most perfect papers, and I don't always have time on my hands to read billions of novels. Once both Once you both shared your teaching career and experiences, a huge pressure was lifted off my shoulders. You guys are so right. I don't have to be perfect at all things English, and I should always be learning and trying new things. You two are lifesavers, and I love listening to your podcast. Thanks for sharing all of your ideas and stories and experiences. It's really comforting, very hopeful, and rekindles my passion for teaching. Keep it up and don't stop. So if I can just take a moment and dry my eyes because it's just so sweet. And like, like Amanda said, hearing our audience, which is a funny thing to say, because we're just a couple of classroom teachers (laughs) to to know that our audience is more than just teenagers who are like forced to be there by law. Um, But like knowing that you guys out there have the passion that we have for this. It's not like any of us went into teaching for the money. And if we did, we were sorely, (laughs) sorely misled. (laughs) Um, It just, it keeps us going. So thank you. Keep them coming. Leave more reviews. We love it. And share the podcast with fellow teachers out there that you think will enjoy it. And with and that, it just, it just confirms that we need to keep going in, in the direction that we're going. And, uh, we're just so grateful to everyone too, who's messaged us on Instagram about curriculum rehab and our unit makeover. We're just so grateful to be in contact with you guys, but without further ado, I think we should jump into the episode because I know everyone's dying to hear where they need to go to find the most rock star supplemental texts for their units. So dying to hear. 
I mean, dying. Let's do it. People last week, we had a really fun episode. I just absolutely had a blast going through building a really organic essential question with Marie about her with, for her first unit. And so kind of the next step in the process, as we all know, there's not really like a linear step process, but the next thing we're going to start looking for is once we have an essential question and a core text or two are going to be the supplemental pieces that that round out the unit and really kind of give it life. So I think we should first, Marie, like let's talk about the role of supplemental texts in a unit. Okay. Because I think it's really tempting to find 40 bajillion cool things that connect to your essential question. And then knowing how to use them, where to use them can be a little bit challenging. I know I was sharing with Marie before we started recording when I first started teaching there was a very predictable pattern to units and it typically started with, well, we, we weren't doing essential questions. We did like <laughs> a week and a half of what we used to call pre-reading. Yes. Yes. Pre-reading, pre-reading activities. But Which we like, did it forever. I know. You're like, how pre is this? Yes. It was super pre. Same. And that was like the only place that we typically would put like a supplementary text. So like when we did, uh, back in the day, we did Hunger Games. So before we got into the novel, we read like the lottery. So that was a supplemental text. We read uh, the ones who walk away from Omelas, like some other dystopian stuff, some Ray Bradbury. So we did like a week of reading short stories before we started the novel, which just so you guys know, made the novel as fun as it is exhausting so long I know. <laughs> and just so like, long enough already <laughs> so what i would say marie what do you think are some of the what are the roles of well, the supplemental tax i i don't know if i'm going to speak directly to the roles just yet but i will say that one of the functions is not to be compartmentalized away from a core text it is instead to supplement and augment within like concurrently with a text and like supplemental texts can be so powerful if they are placed in a certain spot where a character is going through something and you can see that being played out in real life with a news story or you can see that in a poem or you know I mean there's so many amazing ways to weave things together and that's why we get so excited about it no I had the same experience with like totally everything was in its own box we would start with some things to put things into context and then we would begin our novel and what happens is as adults we can kind of do that and carry the string through kids can't really do that. And like almost, oh my God, almost 15 years ago when I started teaching, excuse me, I have to go throw up in in my coffee cup because I've almost been, I'm going into year 14 next year and I just had that realization. Awesome. Anyways, um, back back to the the episode. Sorry everyone for my mental health aside. Uh, I, (laughs) I know that students, when I started teaching, had a hard time holding on to their focus with one thing because they're kids, even the 18 year olds, they're still kids. And now in our world of social media, so much is coming at them all the time that asking them to hold on to ideas that we did two weeks ago, three weeks ago, without really pulling the string through and doing things interwoven is, it's just, it's ass backwards. Like it does. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to them. And then we come back to like a supplemental or a uh, summative assessment. And we're asking them about things we did a month ago because we spent so long on a novel. They're like, what? What When did we do that? So um, rather than the role, I just know like the function, the way that they need to be used. And once I figured that out in my classroom, I was like, boing, duh. But yeah, they support the text. They put things into context. 
I know they have a lot to do with essential questions, which is going to so, get you all excited. Uh, I, I actually kind of put together like a little checklist for myself because I kind of get into supplemental texts for me are like candy. I mean, I troll Facebook, Instagram, my friends, just conversations. Like I have so many saved articles, videos, like you name it, they're all over the place. And I could just do like, I could do it for days, but the, the way I decide what to use kind of, they fit this four criteria. So I'd say criteria number one would be your supplemental text, whatever you find. And we're going to give you tons of places to look today. If you find something you like, it should number one, support the essential question. It's got to have commentary related to your essential question because yeah, right, the and goal, maybe, maybe not even support only, but also explore, right? It doesn't expand. have to be. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It just needs to be related in a 100%. way that's truly connected. Yes. And, and maybe even in a, in a way that's a little bit different than what your core text is doing. Totally. Because I think the, the best part about an essential question is that sometimes they're misleadingly simple, right? Kid, for, to kids, you yeah. know, every question to them is simple. So if you, if the text you're looking at is going to complicate the answer to the essential question, you're in a good space. Um, number two, and this is kind of connected of course, but number two, I'd say that you're, it's expands the scope of the unit. So the text does something to take kids away from where they are all the time in their novel or their core text. So we're thinking like geographically, right? So I'm about to start A Thousand Splendid Sons um, in my first unit. So I'm pretty far away from home already. So maybe I want to have some maybe um, domestic violence issues that are happening in the US so that kids can look at our geography compared to um, Afghanistan and what's going on in the novel. So like I could have a geographical reason of including it, uh, maybe even timeline. You could, you could jump back in history to put your question in context. Um, you can find ways to create like a new experience culturally for students. So those are good. Um, that would be my second criteria. Third would be that your supplemental text manages whatever constraints you're facing curricularly with diversity, equity, and inclusivity. Um, we talk about this a lot in curriculum rehab because people feel like um, in a lot of situations, they're stuck with what they're given to teach. And I was in that, I'm still in that role sometimes. I think um, we all are to a certain extent. I mean, if it's yeah. not prescribed curriculum, then it's standards or it's it teaching to an, a test or, it's, you know, I mean, yes. I think we can all totally relate to that to a certain extent, that feeling of having our hands tied, or we just have a team who have all decided on something together. And then you're kind of like, oh, but I just had this great idea that doesn't fit. Right. Amanda's talking about a way to make it fit. Uh, so when I first started at my new school after, right, you all know the story. So I stepped into a, a new role in my 11th year of teaching and I was given freshman, which was my worst nightmare. And then the nightmare <laughs> got worse when I realized that the curriculum like that I had to follow was basically of mice and men, Romeo and Juliet to kill a mockingbird. I was like, well, it did get worse. It wasn't just freshman. It was also a completely white, completely archaic lineup of canon texts. Now, my attitude was pretty crappy to begin with. And then, <laughs> and then I stepped back. I wrote essential questions for every unit that were the kind of starting point to shape those units into something more interesting than just the book. And then I filled in supplementary texts that 
expanded the racial backgrounds of the authors included in the whole school year. Now, granted, I still think it's really important to push to have a different setup, different lineup of backgrounds of your authors and the stories being told. But if you're feeling really stuck where you are, this is a great place to start having other authors of color um, and different, different stories on the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's huge. It's huge. It's really going to make a difference because you decide how much real estate that core text gets in a week. Absolutely. Well, and another thing about supplemental texts is that a lot of times when we're using like nonfiction supplemental texts, they're timely. And so like we have at my school, the exact lineup of core texts is in our freshman lineup. Our freshman team though is phenomenal and they find they are they are constantly on the hunt for updated supplemental texts as well so so like that's the other part of it too right is like making sure that yes all this inclusivity and equity and diversity can absolutely be i'm not going to see say fixed but they can be mended a bit the band-aid can start to be put in place through supplemental texts um but it's also the reason that we're going to talk about like where to find them is because once you find them it's not like you're done right? Like if you want things to be fresh and contemporary and, and current to what our students are actually seeing and living in their lives, then we got to keep the wheel moving. <laughs> and that keeps the energy of your unit moving too, which we yeah. all know. This is all connected back to behavior management. If you're having totally. behavior management issues, it's probably connected to your pacing and your essential question. Is it interesting? And are you moving fast enough through material and getting kids engaged in new stuff all the time? Absolutely. What's your fourth role to a supplemental text? I think your text should address some of those core unit skills. So you already did this process when you wrote your essential question, you know what those are. So there should, you should be able to pull from these texts, practice with the skill, uh, in a close reading or some other kind of activity, that would be ideal. So let me recap these four. I'll put them in the show notes and let's get started with our list. So totally. the, your supplemental text should one, support your essential question. Two, expand the scope of your unit. Three, manage any inclusivity, equity, diversity issues. And the number four, address core unit skills through things like close reading. So, so this sounds, show notes. even to a veteran teacher like myself, pretty daunting don't worry if this sounds daunting to you. It, um, it, gets, it gets better. It gets easier. We have a lot of resources for you. So just kind of like go with us on this journey. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're okay. going to break it down for you guys by genre. So it yes. should be really easy to follow. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. This is just like where we go first. Shall okay, we start go. with fiction? Let's go. Okay. Take it away, my friend. Okay, so I'm just going to hit my favorite place to go for fiction is actually a website called Long Reads, L-O-N-G, longreads.com. Um, it's, a, it's a website that publishes fiction and nonfiction, but mostly the fiction is why I go there. Um, and what's really cool about the website when you go, it'll actually give you the timestamp for how long it's expected to take you to read. So if you're planning, right, you know, even before you bother to get started reading it, if it's going to be working for your timeline and your Are you kidding? That's amazing. <laughs> I want amazing. everything. I want everything to tell me that. Yeah. And <laughs> I had a time. The authors are, this is all really current stuff. Authors who are publishing right now, these are their shorter pieces that authors who write novels are, are, are producing. Oh, so it's a really awesome. nice contemporary place to start looking. For I have stuff. never heard of it before. I feel like a doof. Well, I, yeah, yeah I that's found okay. it a long time ago and I've okay. had it in my back pocket forever. Oh. 
Look at you. Look at you finally sharing with me. Thanks a lot, friend. Okay. I have one that is pretty well known. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's been pretty popular. It's commonlit. Commonlit.org is amazing. It is free. It has, this is going to come up again in our nonfiction list, but it has fiction and nonfiction texts to use. There are so many functionalities to commonlit to be used in a classroom, both in person and digitally. And it's just fantastic. And it's free, like I said, and go to commonlit. Next. Um, I also would, if this is a non-tech suggestion, but there's a series of best American non-required reading. Um, you can get Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Um, these are just anthologies of, uh, short fiction that's typically not found in a textbook. So another great place to look and I'll, I'll link it for you guys in the show notes, of course, with everything else. And then another great resource to hit up for fiction, making connections is picture books. And a friend of ours, Jenna Copper, you guys might know her as Doc Cop, <laughs> but she has on her blog a post that's all about using picture books in the classroom. And we will link it in our show notes. It's, she's got some great ideas of picture books to use. She is a high school English language arts teacher. She teaches AP. Um, and it's a really phenomenal resource. I love just pulling books off of my kids' shelves and bringing them into my classroom. And they're like, where are you going, mommy? I'm looking at her post right now and her post is actually how to use picture books to teach literary analysis. So it's like even better than just, you know, yeah, using them for she's very specific and strategic yeah, and it's, cool. it's so usable. So definitely check out that blog post. Shall we move on to nonfiction? Yeah. I'd say the other places I found fiction are just like recommendations oh. from other teachers. So you know, oh, yeah, just totally. keep your ears open to what people have used before and Keep on rolling. Yeah. Nonfiction is my, one of my favorite places to go because I feel like our units are so fiction heavy. Um, so as Marie said, uh, common lit is still another place to go. A lot of you guys probably know Newzella, um, news sites that we like. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to use the New York times and especially the New York times learning network. Um, PBS is wonderful. NPR is great because NPR is at least on like the, the media bias scale tends to stay pretty central, pretty in the middle. Um, but what's, what's better about that is that with NPR, almost every article comes with an audio version. So you could do a podcasty uh, pairing with the article or kids could choose to read or listen. So NPR is a great place to go. And man, the archives are deep. They are. They are deep. I, yeah, some of my favorite news sites are Huffington Post. I like Washington Post. I like Time Magazine, which I think you already mentioned. Um, I love podcasts as well. And we have another friend. (laughs) It's another keeping the wonder friend. Uh, Ashley Bible has on her blog, this extensive blog post of the the great podcast to use in the classroom. And it is, I mean, it is a wealth of knowledge. So that is also going to be linked in our show notes, but podcasts are pretty fantastic because they hit a lot of different skill sets too. And they help our students develop their auditory processing. And there's just some cool ways. The other thing about like NPR, NPR podcasts and most podcasts actually also come with um, some sort of a transcript that can be downloaded. Yes. So that's a nice way to go about things as well. Um, I know you use Library of Congress. I've used it a bit here and there, but I know you use it a little bit more. 
Yeah, depending on the unit, like that, that was one of the things we used during Of Mice and Men is we went, we went there to find some primary source documents on the yeah. historical time period and um, not only text, but also our next category. Um, we found a lot of visuals at the Library of Congress, a lot of photography, um, just news sources from, you can search by year if I remember correctly. Um, and of course, Library of Congress is free and, you know, available to everyone. So super um, usable, user-friendly resource to check out. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So category number three. So we've looked, if you look for fiction, great nonfiction, another great place. Um, but I know a lot of us like to use video or other visual image based supplemental texts. Um, I have been very happy with not only Ted talks, but if you go to Ted ed, I there's a lot TEDx. more there, especially if you're a middle school teacher, um, they tend to break down really big concepts into manageable animations, uh, again, with transcripts and things like that. And you can also um, add questions, you can grade and assess within TED Ed. There's really cool lesson plans that are pre-made. Um, and of course, you can always make your own. Um, but TED Ed is a great place to go. Um, another newer discovery on my end is uh, a website called Great Big Story. I, I actually found love... them on Instagram. Yes, I was gonna say I love their Instagram profile. I love their Instagram. Yes. So their website's actually really beautiful too. The, so basically, Great Big Story is owned by CNN, and they just they dig into the kinds of news stories that are not in the headlines. Um, like there's one story I was reading, well, listening to and watching because most of theirs is video based um, with like short little stories that, that go with the caption. Um, but I was looking at a story of a young girl in Peru who's, oh, no, I mean, I got the wrong country, a wrong South American country. How dare I? And I'm like, love South America. How could I? No, and she is Peruvian, a Peruvian girl who started rapping in her native language to start preserving the language because it's dying. And so now young people are like listening to her, following her and rapping in their indigenous language that was that originally so cool. falling apart. So yeah. So if you go to greatbigstory.com, you can see like, it's really nicely organized and you can search by themes, by topics. And they're really cool, really good with recommending other videos that match together. Oh, very cool. I, I mean, same sort of a thing, like using YouTube in the same way is... Yeah. The thing, the problem with YouTube is it's kind of like doing a Google search, right? It's like, you just sit down and you type something in and then it's like, brrr, you have to have very specific search fields that you're like filling in. Um, but I do like YouTube, especially because of the like suggested. I normally don't find something in my original search. I find something by clicking around and looking in the suggested bar over to the right. Um, other places I like to look for video, especially, but sometimes also for visual, just like pictures and that sort of thing are National Geographic, History Channel, um, Discovery, is it Discovery Ed? Yes, is that what I I'm talking know. about? Yeah, I, I think most schools have a subscription. My school does, my district does. Um, I love the Getty Museum. The Getty has some really great educational resources, but they also just have some great like content that you can use in your classroom that they just give away for educational purposes. Um, another YouTube channel that I love is Crash Course. John Green. John Green. I, I like forgot about it until you were talking about Great Big Story. And I was like, duh, I love Crash Course. Crash, Crash Course, Course is good. 
I have found that some of their videos are great for the older kids, especially because he goes yeah. so fast and it's so complex. And sometimes they need a little bit more of a um, historical background. So they need to have gone through a couple history courses. So 11th and 12th grade can follow along pretty well. But even other concepts, like they've got kind of sister channels. They've got a whole sociology, yeah. like series of uh, lessons and courses that I find fantastic. Um, in my old Lord of the Flies unit, we did a lot of sociology crash course lessons. So, yeah. yeah and there, we, I mean, the other place that I'll go for video is, and this is like, this is going to sound so like, oh, I just live my life as an educator. Like, I, I like to try and spend time off on the weekends or even evening or, you know, as much as we can turn our brain off, just kind of enjoying and consuming TV, movies you know, podcasts, that sort of thing. And I find the more that I just kind of like let go of directly searching for things like this, I will find completely unexpected sources. And a lot of that comes from a Netflix binge or, you know, yeah. so that's another way is just to remember to like try and keep the sponge absorbing. Yeah. And, gross, and what, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the gestures you were making were, more I don't want to talk about it. They can't see me. Saying. So let's move on. Oh. <laughs> um, so you guys know, I, I'm not going to let this episode go without reminding everyone that poetry is a great supplemental text to incorporate within your units. Um, mostly because most poems can be done in a single class period. Um, you know, you could be spending, you know, four days on whatever your core text is and then boom, like in the middle of the week, throw a poem at them. You know, that's a really, really cool way to keep things interesting. The texture um, of the unit fresh. Uh, my favorite poetry places to go looking for things would, of course, be poets.org. Um, Poets.org has a great feature where you can search by theme. It's really nice. So like whatever your essential question theme is, that's a great place to start because searching for a poem, like you're, the title is not going to match what your unit's about. It's just not Never. that easy. <laughs> yeah. So that's a great place to start is through, through them. Of course, I would tell you to take a look at my ebook. Um, if you guys are not familiar with it, basically what I do in my ebook is I have three sections. I have the first section is novel connected. So I've got three commonly taught novels and suggested poem pairings with each and like a description of a lesson for each. And then I have a section that's connected to um, themes. And so then I have poems re recommended based on themes. So it kind of goes through like that. So it definitely, there are ways that I can help you in, in that ebook. And I release that in volumes. So seasonally right now, only volume one is out, but volume two should be coming around back to school time. So that you can kind of find the volume that matches with what you're doing. And then um, I will also link for you in the show notes, another great resource, which is teach living poets. There are a couple of teachers on Twitter who have put this together. It's kind of like a, it's a hyperdoc, um, but it's a really cool place to find living poets that are working, rapping um, and publishing poems right now. And of course that you can find these poets on YouTube as well. So I, it's I, so I can cool. put some, yeah, I'll put some YouTube links too for, for, for spoken word poets you can find there. And to be a broken record, Common Lit has some pretty good poetry yes. pairings with um, some, like if you look by core text, because there's a searchability for the four of you who are not familiar with Common Lit as I keep talking about it, sorry. <laughs> um, it has a search feature where you can search by text, which is cool because yes. you can be like, oh, I have to teach Blibbity Blue and there it is on the list. And then you'll have like different sorts of pairings and poetry is very often in there as well. So yes. 
The only problem I found with common lit is that it's so common that I've had kids be like, oh, I've already done that. Like their middle school teachers or their freshman teachers have beat me to the punch on a couple of texts before. It is, Um, it is, it is problematic because, because it's free that it takes them a while to update it. Yeah. And yeah. It, but there, it's still good. And like, that's it's not, that's not a yeah. reason to not use it, but that's just kind of why we're giving you guys such an extensive list to have um, other things too. Yeah. It's also just oh. a good starting point because poetry is hard to find sometimes. So it could give oh, you an idea of somewhere to look. Yeah. No, totally. Or you guys just hit me up on Instagram. I'll, t- I'll tell you. I, she will. People ask me all the time. But be careful what you wish for, guys. She'll keep yeah. talking. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> Um, okay. We have some tools for you beyond these categories of like different ways to use these supplemental texts that you find. Um, I haven't actually used actively learn, but I know you have used actively learn quite a bit, especially with distance learning, Amanda. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah. Actively learn functions like news Ella. It functions like common lit, very similar. Um, and then you can also do things with it. Like the, the, what makes it different is the way you assign it. That's why I like it better. I'm sorry, news Ella, but like your questions suck. Like there's no, so news a pain in the butt. It's just, it's I like their so formatting hard to assign what yeah. I actually want the kids to do. The articles are great. I love that you can adjust the Lexile level. That's super. Um, but actively learn lets you both assign an article. You can pre annotate it. You can pre uh, write all the questions you want kids to answer and you can do the same with video. So as a tool, it's pretty baller. Um, I also assign my core text, like my kids read um, their books on Actively Learn, and we do everything there. So it's worth. I need to out. look more into Actively Learn. My husband uses Actively. Those of you who don't know, my husband teaches um, AP Human Geography, and he uses Actively Learn quite a bit and Canvas. They're like LMS, um, and he thinks it's just amazing. And I'm like, I guess I should probably. I don't actually know if I have access to it. So that shows you how into it I am right now. You just need um, a Google login and the, even the free version is good. You can upload three of your own articles every oh, month. Then I need to get um, my life together. That sounds the fantastic. Premium is worth it. I'm begging, I'm begging my department chair. And I am not sponsored by actively learn. I have tried to get them to let me be their influencer. I have, I have applied hey, to work there and they're like, no. mindset. You are not sponsored yet. <laughs> Dude, Actively Learn is like an amazing, like there, I think there's only like 20 people working for them in the oh, really? Seattle and they're just like chilling, like doing this thing. Like they're doing big time work. And they're probably and drinking really good coffee up in Seattle. Dude. And if you guys are teaching, I know this is, I'm going to, I'm a little bit off on a train right now. I oh, love you're being patient so with me too. Oh my God. If you teach any Shakespeare, stop buying the books and assign it on Actively Learn. You can do it all for free. You can get Romeo and Juliet. You can get Macbeth, all of them. They are pre-annotated for you and your kids. Pre-annotated. That means when the kid gets to, you know, double, double toil and trouble, there's an annotation in the side that says, this is foreshadowing. (laughs) And you can modify all of that. And it has questions as kids go that are standards aligned and you can grade on a rubric. And it's free. I mean, the, like all of the stuff on there that's free is, is the, what's, what's the word for it? That they're in the public domain. Oh, public domain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That's awesome. It's, it's worth looking at. That's this awesome. is not sponsored by actively learn, but if you're listening, actively learn, it could be, you could be it the could possibilities be. here are amazing. Single-handedly turned many teachers to actively learn with no pat on the back. Like they're like actively learn zombies now. Um, I have another tool. It's Ed puzzle. 
which is similar to the way that like it sounds like actively learn functions yeah. but edpuzzle takes uh is it just video yeah, you can take video of your own. You can take video from YouTube and kind of annotate it and basically create a lesson through it. There are a lot of different functions that I haven't even like gone into just yet, but it's really cool for being able to ask like processing questions along the way and making sure that students are comprehending something in a video and you can quiz them. And there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do that. Um, okay, have I ever other- told you about my very best Ed puzzle? No. When we do Gatsby, there's this moment in like chapter six when we learn like Gatsby's true past. Uh And so we do an Ed puzzle where the kids compare and contrast like that moment in the book with the greatest showman. Oh, and my kids listen to a million dreams, like over and over again, across the room. And we're all like singing and that's so fun. Everyone's like, I love this song. It's awesome. You're like, you're welcome. Thank you. Ed puzzle. Um, another good way to search for, you know, when you're like sitting there going, what was that show? What's that movie where the line sounds something like skiddly bop or like whatever, you know, you like can't quite get it right. It's called get yarn as in like what you knit with yet get yarn.io. And it is a site where you can search video clips by line and by phrase. Um, so insane. I'm looking isn't it crazy? And a lot of them are like a couple of seconds, but it'll at least be like, it's a good starting point to help you find what the heck you were looking for. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, there are some longer clips on it too, but I like it just to like help me remember because my brain turns into jelly and I can't like get my life together. Um, Another thing that you can do with videos for those of you who are still developing your Google tech skills, there is a formatting feature in Google Slides where you can clip videos and have them play from and to certain points. So um, definitely look into that. We'll we'll attach like we'll link a tutorial on how to do that, like a YouTube tutorial in the show notes. The last tool that I have is a Google Chrome extension called Print Friendly. If you go to printfriendly.com, it is a Google Chrome extension that basically you go to any website, you're looking at a New York Times article, you're looking at whatever, you click on the extension and it will turn whatever website you're looking on looking at into a printable PDF. And you can uh, like deduct things from the PDF and you can get rid of uh, pictures so that if you're doing something on paper or even if you're assigning something digitally and you just need like a shorter PDF, there you go. It's a really great way to do that. So I think that's actually, I think that's our list. Uh, and we certainly could keep going. There's yes, no but we don't want to be overwhelming. <laughs> but remember, you know, everything's in the show notes, guys. Remember that checklist. You know, this is a fun time of the year if you're in summer break to just kind of play and dig and get lost in the black hole. Um, that's a dangerous thing to do on a Tuesday night in the middle of a unit. <laughs> and yet. Um, so I know. So have fun this summer doing stuff like this just for, you know, for giggles. But also like there's that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, whatever isn't going to work and I need something and there's like a mad scramble. These are some great places go. where you'll find quality texts. So with that, friends, 
Thank you for joining us today. We are going to bid you adieu. Yes, absolutely. If you've not already joined our unit makeover challenge, if you're listening to this when it comes out, the week of, or even the next week, it is happening right now live. We have other things coming your way. Like we mentioned, we have a free masterclass coming up. We also have our course curriculum rehab. Check out the show notes. Make sure you're on our email newsletter list so that you don't miss out on any information. And uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again for listening. And we can't wait to see your reviews and hear how things are going in your classrooms. Yep. See you next time.